Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, The Big Show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our vehicle, and today we're in the big white Silverado studio, the one with all the wind blowing through it because it's old and rather windy, so just like the podcast, not very old, but quite windy. <laughs> Little tip, did you know that the Windy City, Chicago, the Windy City is not called the Windy City because the wind blows there a lot? True story. It is called the Windy City because of the windy politicians at the time. Most people don't know that, but... That reminds me of a small town near where I grew up, whose nickname was Bulltown. And it had nothing to do with raising cattle. I'll just leave the rest of the story to your imagination. Alrighty then, welcome to the show, <laughs> The Big Show. We have a mystery episode because my lovely and talented co-host does not have any idea what we're talking about today. Unless Actually, she knows quite a bit. Of, yeah, she knows quite a bit about what we're talking about today. She <laughs> just knows what the subject is at the moment. So, are you ready? I'm ready. This morning, you walked out of our humble abode, our hovel, our nest. You walked out of it, say, stating, "Well, I better go ch- pick the cherry tomatoes." Okay, so you went out and picked the cherry tomatoes, and of course, we were gone yesterday, so you peeked your head underneath the zucchini bushes. One must keep a close eye on zucchinis. Because they tend to go bonkers overnight. I mean, wah. What wasn't nearly ready to pick two days ago was a zucchini log today. As in... Two days ago, it was an inch and a half long. And today, it was more than two inches across and more than a foot long. And if I'd let it go until the end of the day, would have been mostly spoiled for my intended use. Okay. We sometimes go to farmer... Okay, we often go to farmer's markets. And we often buy these big huge zucchinis that most people don't like because they don't, for a lot of uses, they don't work very well. I mean, once they reach a certain size, they get kind of out of control. They get a little woody tasting. They get a little hollow on the inside. And and, uh, they can, a zucchini can just get out of hand on you. But for her intended uses, big is good. Because they make better chips. Now, the ones who have turned into Lincoln logs are still not what you're going for here. If the skin is thick and tough and woody, and there's give in it when you squeeze it, like it might start be starting to hollow out in the middle, that's too far. At that point, you just lacquer the outside and use it to build log cabins with. We are joking, but only slightly. <laughs> kind of. It's of. big yeah. enough, but I'm not sure that it's... Tough enough material for log cabining. I hate this intersection. Yeah, look at but that. It, it's not Here very comes good a guy I didn't at even that see. point. There came a guy I didn't even see. I'm going way too fast. This is the most dangerous intersection in the state of Missouri. You, you so just can't see. Anyway, sadly, it's less than 10 years old as well. 
but bigger than most people like to chop up for dinner is the right size. Right. I mean, for dehydrating the, and making zucchini chips. Dinner for, um, how about for stuff like zucchini bread? Is bigger okay for that? Uh, bigger is okay for that, but mostly you pick them a little longer, or pick them a little bit smaller than that, and let them go a little bit more ripe. But it's okay for zucchini bread, too. The thing is, when you make zucchini bread, there's not that much zucchini in the zucchini bread. It's got zucchini in it, of course, but it's got more flour than zucchini, and, you know. Uh, they're okay for the uh, zoodles thing, where people use the make zucchini noodles out of them. Ah, huh, yeah. That's kind of not my groove, because I'm busy making chips out of them, but it's a useful thing to do. So I'm going to tell you, I had a friend... This has been back way, way back when, who wanted to raise a garden. <laughs> you know the story. I know the story. He wanted to raise a garden. And so you got you to gotta be careful who you ask your advice from. You can <laughs> ask your advice from reliable people, or you can ask your advice from people who have somewhat of a twisted sense of humor. Well, he asked gardening advice from somebody who had twisted sense of humor. So he cleared off his garden, and he just really wanted to grow one or two things the first year so that he'd get an idea of what, you know, what would grow and what wouldn't grow. So he planted um, 12 tomato plants and 12 zucchini plants, and that was his whole garden. <laughs> and... Fortunately, or unfortunately, he had prepared the ground very well, and it was good ground. Mm, that's actually unfortunate in this story. For those of you who've never grown zucchini... Oh my. <laughs> uh, I have two plants, and that's because, one, I like to eat a lot of it, and two, I dehydrate the daylights out of it and make quarts and quarts of chips to last me through the winter. Because one zucchini plant will provide more than one family's worth of zucchini for the average, reasonably avid zucchini eaters. The plants are productive. If you can get them past the squash bugs, they Which are Which we, we didn't have this productive. year. Yeah, something killed them off. Bad weather or something? I don't know. Usually squash bugs get mine because I am unwilling to put pesticides on my garden. Yeah, we're kind of organic type people so but i stick a couple in the ground every year because sometimes they slip by and when they do i don't have to buy any from the farmer's markets and we also got this old fellow we'll talk about him in a bit where you can get zucchini yeah. from i uh mostly the reason i buy the big zucchinis it's not that they're any better for my purposes than the smaller medium-sized ones it's that they're worse for everybody else's purposes so they go cheap yes They'll sell the small ones for a dollar a piece. They'll sell the ones three times that big for 50 cents a piece. And if you catch them at the end of the farmer's market, they don't want to haul them home. Yeah, they're like, well, what take are they them away. Do? Take them away. Take them away. Yeah. Here, I, I, give me a buck for the whole box. <laughs> We're good. Or just take at, it. At my place of work, there is an avid gardener, and there's liable to be boxes of, uh, please, take some produce sitting out on the table, some of which is put there by me, but I don't usually grow much zucchini, so there's usually zucchini out there, and other people will snag all the little ones for dinner, and I'll snag the big ones for my chips. So, yeah, we uh, 
let's just briefly run through. We keep saying chips. Let's just briefly run through the process. I took a couple pictures of you making chips this morning. We did that before we hit the road. What is involved in making uh, spice-styled zucchini chips? If you have a good dehydrator, very little. Okay, and as an aside, if you don't have a good dehydrator, there's not a better time than now to start shopping for one. It's an excellent uh, prepping tool. Not that you... Critical prepping tool. Critical prepping tool. Now, we, we get a lot of mileage and a lot of extremely cheap food out of it. And a lot of extremely healthful food out of it. And a lot of long-term storage food. Only reasonably long-term storage food out of it. Uh, Two yeah, I, I call it medium-term storage. But still, I mean... Yeah. You get a year's worth of food, you get a year's worth of food. You yeah. just You just cycle it more often than, say, freeze-dried, packaged. Yeah. But it's much easier to prepare and enormously cheaper, too. Once you got the dehydrator, all you do is you, you grab your zucchinis. Uh, if they are large diameter, like more than oh, more than an inch and a half in diameter, you uh, chop them in half. If they're an inch and a half or smaller, you just slice them as is. You're looking for slices that are about a quarter inch thick, pretty thick slices. And then you spread them out on the dehydrator trays so they're not quite touching each other. I like to flavor them because I use these guys. I keep calling them chips because that's how I use them. I use them as uh, scoops to pick up dips in the same way uh, I would use potato chips if I didn't wasn't quite as interested in my long-term well-being. Now, you were um, using cinnamon today, I noticed. I, yeah. That's not the only spice that you use on those. Sometimes I put cinnamon on them, and that's very good if I'm going to be dipping with Greek yogurt, dipping up Greek yogurt with them. That's tasty stuff with cinnamon. Uh, sometimes I put uh, chili and garlic powders on them, either homemade or bought in bulk, which is really cheap to do too. Uh, sometimes I put popcorn seasoning powders on them. Like uh, last week's was a Parmesan garlic chips week. I made a bunch of tomato and uh, zucchini chips with Parmesan garlic. Because those work uh, really good with things like uh, salsas and chilies. And uh, bean dips. Guacamole. uh, Lentil kinds of dips. All kinds of stuff. Uh, She'll also make some with no seasoning on them. And that's for like dumping into stuff to rehydrate inside of food as not only it fills out the food, but it fills it out with stuff with really good nutritional value. Like spaghetti is a good, you'll, you'll find thinly, thinly, smally chunked spaghetti or zucchini in our spaghetti often. I did it for a while before I told him I was doing it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I not, knew he'd like it better if he couldn't object. That It's not that I like hate it. zucchini. It's just I'm not, I'm not. You know, she she is hoping that the afterlife does not contain a god made out of zucchini or broccoli. Because <laughs> if it is that, boom, it's over for you, sister. There are actually lots of vegetables I like better than zucchini, but they're basically free. And they're so easy and abundant. Well, and yeah, easy I mean, asparagus. I like- My gosh, you're, you're, you are to asparagus what cats are to catnip. 
Yeah, I love that. As long as it's like real asparagus and not that canned nasty. Is there anything more sad than to take a perfectly healthy, good asparagus plant and can it? I am not going to say that there aren't home canners who who could make good asparagus. Oh, I'm talking about commercial canning. Commercial stuff is awful. Yeah, I'm not talking about home canning either. There's that's a different thing entirely. I'm talking about the the can you get at the grocery store. Totally sad. Uh, Anywho, so yeah, when I put when I dry them without any spices on them at all. What I'll do is when you're making a tomato sauce or a chili or a spaghetti sauce or a lot of different kinds of sauces, you can do it with uh, white cream-based sauces too, although we don't cook with those nearly as much. You uh, smash up a handful of the dried chips. They're, they're dry and crumbly enough. You can just crunch them up in your hand until they're almost powder size. And then you just dump a handful in the sauce and stir it in and if you like the sauce thick you're golden if you want the sauce a little thinner you add a little bit of extra water because they're going to soak up some they don't really change the flavor no not at all you won't even really notice they're there yeah they do add some nutrition they definitely add some fiber they definitely add some bulk which adds to the satisfyingness of them one problem a lot of prep foods have i notice is on one hand, you buy them calorie-dense, because then they take less storage space, which makes perfect sense. But on the other hand, then you've got something which isn't very satisfying in a physical sense, because it's only a small chunk on your plate, or like the soups, it's mostly water. And tossing in the dehydrated vegetables can help get around both those problems. You get to eat more food, or you get to have a, a more satisfying super stew because there's more stuff in it, without materially changing the taste of it. My one thing I wanted to mention that she was talking about, they get them, get them uh, dried out enough that they're crumbly. If, like most things when you dehydrate, if in doubt, go long. Don't go short. Go long. If, if in doubt, make sure things are dry, dry, dry. Short and, can mold. Right, short can mold. Long doesn't... Uh, have any f- uh, food quality or actually a food safety risk associated with it. It does overdrying blueberries makes them not very tasty. Overdrying a couple other things makes them not very tasty. But there isn't anything that overdrying makes them dangerous. Underdrying can make you lose your stores. I'm going to tell you my my favorite thing to dehydrate, and I dehydrate them right out of the package just because I I love. The taste of saltine crackers. I'm a saltine guy. But I get them in the package, and half the time, to me, they taste kind of like, meh. You know, kind of kind of like they've been... Mildly soggy. Yeah. But you put one of those, uh, you know, you put them in the dehydrator along when, like, we're doing zucchini right now, but we also got some crackers in there. Actually, it was the reverse. I went ahead and yeah, he opened up a package of crackers. Because I wanted some crackers yeah, for my soup later. Drawers open, and I've always got zucchini available. Yeah, so she, she brought them in, and I just said, hey, I know i got crackers in there now. So went ahead and filled it all up, and it's running. Now, crackers don't take nearly as long. But what, they're great, though. The dehydrated is great because even if you have these, like, old crackers, and it doesn't have to be crackers. It can be old anything, like corn chips you can dehydrate. 
and get the freshness back to them. Um, Anything that's supposed to be dry to begin with can be freshened. Right. Including gotta, the dehydrated vegetables and things that you're using as chips. If I crisp, open a quart right. container and it's humid, uh, a couple days later they'll not be crisp anymore. I just toss them back in the dehydrator for a short period of time and it freshens them right up. Got to slow down for the Amish. Yep. We're on our way to church. But we are getting close to the spot in the road where we can safely pass, which is yes. good. So we will wait carefully. There aren't that many spots on this road. No, but this is one of them. Of course, this is also right where the family lives. So The zucchini that. chips are good enough that I often take them with a dip to potlucks and things. And they go very well in the... Uh, among the tastes of the people I hang out with who tend I, to like vegetables. I do recommend if you taste them, or take them, that you do put out a description of what they are. Yeah. Because they do look a little weird if you don't know what they look like. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing she mentioned earlier that we could talk about today. Um, this is something we don't have any going right at the moment, but she sure does a lot of them. Especially with the type of tomatoes that we're growing this year are the uh, tomato chips. When I've got spare tomatoes, uh, actually, we grew a bunch of Romas this year because they are good for it. Yeah, you can do it with any tomatoes, but it's harder if they're big and juicy. The ones with a lot of meat and less juice are better for this project. And I knew I was going to make a bunch of them. And, and I knew I was probably going to can some, and Romas can well, too. And Romas, yeah, they've got that really good, sharp flavor, which, is, which is good for chips. Romas are also a... Uh, heirloom variety. Right. We always like to do yeah. heirloom stuff whenever we have to. Uh, and I've tried it before just to make sure it worked. Uh, you can take Roma potatoes or tomatoes that you got just at any old um, commercial seller of small plants. You grow them up. When you're eating the tomatoes, you can save the seeds from them and plant the seeds the next year and get reliable Roma tomatoes out of them. A lot of the things you buy as plants are actually hybrid varieties, which do not breed true, and in some cases do not breed reliably at all. And the things that are marked as heirlooms are often eh, not as good in other ways as some of the hybrids, so they're trying to up their sale value by marking them as heirloom. Or they've got some other problems that the hybridization bred out of the plants. But they often don't mark the aromas that way because people like aromas just for their own sake anyway. So they just call them aromas and be done. But they are a true breeding heirloom variety. So you take the aromas, and they're a nice size. Do the same thing with them. You just uh, give them a wash. You cut them into circles that are about a quarter of an inch thick. Lay them out. Dry them with or without seasonings. I do most of my tomatoes without seasonings. Because I find how I like to eat those best is I eat a lot of chili in the winter. And I use those as, a, I make a good thick chili and I use those as scoops to scoop up the chili. Instead of putting using crackers and stuff in my chili. I use the uh, dried tomatoes with it. Sorry, I had to like, yeah. pay attention to my driving. Yeah, he was driving. Or you can eat them with other kinds of dips. They're good that way, too. And they also crumble up nicely, and they go into all sorts of uh, tomato-based sauces. You just 
they're a perfect addition to those. Better than canned tomatoes, in fact. In my opinion. Now, we do a lot of dehydrating. A lot of the stuff we dehydrate, frankly, is not stuff that we grow. Bananas, for example, get dehydrated. And uh, one thing that um, we'll do with bananas is I'll uh, watch very carefully at the grocery store. Our grocery store is not a super high-traffic grocery store, and sometimes they have bananas that start to go brown. And they'll put, like, a whole bunch of bananas in one... One, one paper bag. Paper and bag and market for 99 cents. And when we do that, you know, you can get a lot of banana chips out of that for very little money. You just have to be very careful and make sure that uh, it's on a night that the wife is going to want to make banana chips. If she's got, like, all kinds of work already set up, ready to go, then it will and you come home with banana chip, chips, or even <laughs> better, what I sometimes do is is there's a there's a store, it's one of these rural stores that we talk about, that gets in overstocked stuff, and they'll get in overstocked uh, strawberries from time to time. And by overstocked strawberries, I mean by the pallet. And we buy them by the uh, crate. And she'll come home, and these beautiful, fragrant crate full of strawberries will be sitting there and she's like well i hadn't planned to be doing that tonight although i think she freezes those but um i freeze some of them but we are usually tight on freezer space yeah we are berries are so very good frozen we don't have a lot of freezer space i mean we've got one small but we actually to be fair we have two small freezers but one of them doesn't count because it's full of film yeah, it's, that's my film freezer. I sh- I'm a film photographer, and I have a freezer just for, I bought it for my film. Now, we do have actually some stuff, some food stuff in it at the moment. But not a whole bunch. But it is my it is my film freezer. And yeah, that's a little laid up, I'll admit it. Yeah. That's a little hardcore. <laughs> the bananas, the apples, the strawberries all dry very well. And the plan is the same for the for all of them. You just slice them all about a quarter of an inch thick and spread them out and dry them until they're really dry. But with the with these strawberries, the egg slicer story, you've got these uh, little appliances that slice boiled eggs into a full set of slices at once. You sit the egg in there and you squish it and you've got a sliced egg. Well, you know, you don't know how cool those guys are until you have a whole pallet of strawberries that you want to dry at a time. Because you go through and you uh, clean those guys and you take the caps off. And then you just put as many as will fit in the egg slicer at once. And you turn it upside down over your collection bowl and squish it and you've sliced all those berries. You collect the whole lot of them, lay them out on a tray... Do something with the strawberry juice. Drinking it comes to mind. And there you go. I gotta say one thing about the old Spice. She is not a gadget person. She's really not. She doesn't like gadgets. I'll never forget. We I bought one of these as an experiment. I paid it like a dollar for it or something. It was a ridiculously cheap thing. But it was one of those uh, that you see on the infomercial. But I got it at the at a yard sale or something. <laughs> uh the infomercial where it's one of the, uh, you, you the put an egg one? in it. Yeah, they put an <laughs> oh egg my. in it, 
and you, you're supposedly perfect cracking of the egg yeah, with one, every time, every one, time with one hand, every time. Now, for those I gotta admit, it may have worked better <laughs> if you buy those wimpy white store bought eggs with the really thin shells because with the tiny little chickens. thin shells. But we buy. We buy industrial strength free eggs. Free-range chicken free eggs. Free-range chicken eggs off real, an actual, free <laughs> real free-range off an actual chicken farm that Their has, like, about three chickens running around in the yard type free eggs. You know what I'm saying? They say but, eggs for sale and they have chickens running in the yard. That's about the kind of place we're talking about. Yeah. Eventually, I hope to have my own chickens. But yeah. <clears throat> we'll have to be home more before yeah. I can... We're getting closer to that. I want to have, yeah, I want to have my own chickens. We had chickens when I was a kid, and I liked them. And since I had to do a lot of the work of taking care of them and I liked them anyway, that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, by the way, I did get, I did pick up cat food. I remember. Okay. So, we have a, here's our aside for this podcast. We have a outside feral cat. That we've been trying to attract to stay around. So it started out not our cat. And then it's kind of like, well, you could almost be our cat. To, I think it's kind of our cat. From, you're not our cat. To, you're not our cat, but you're here all the time, aren't you? Yeah. To, you're not our cat, but we'll put out some food because we don't like how skinny you are. And you're probably keeping the rabbits out of my garden. To, okay, if that means you're kind of our cat. You're kind of our cat, but we still can't get near with it. A, with a side trip to cat, quit tearing open our garbage to get to the tuna cans. We had to throw in a side trip of that. Yeah, there, there's a. I threw in the towel on that one. The cat was tearing. I, I could buy a big, expensive trash can to keep the cat out of the tuna cans, or I could just set the tuna cans in the cat bowl we now have outside. And let the cat pre-lick them before I put them in the trash. Yeah, and, you know, I like, you know, I'm, I'm a heathen. I admit, I'm a heathen. I like the oil pack tuna. I think it just has a lot better flavor. And the difference in the calories is negligible. It's like 10 calories per can or something like that. Because we strain it. I mean, we drain it. So, uh, but we take, she's been taking the oil. Not that we eat all that much tuna. But she'll take the oil and put the oil, the tuna oil, in with the cat food. And, you know, there you are. There's one happy cat. And then cat. set the tuna can out there. And but we are. We are. Can't lick it clean. And then I throw it in the trash can. And it doesn't it doesn't tear up the trash to get to it anymore. We set out the. Uh, so far. We yeah, So far. We set out the uh, bowl. During the day, but we bring it in at night because we want to feed the cat, not the raccoons and the possums. And the... Yeah, we would get pest animals. Except, I think it's a tough enough cat we might not, but I don't know. Yeah. It, the, the rabbit has moved out. Yeah, we, we had a rabbit living under our shed. Now we and don't it have it. get into our garden because I have the garden severely fenced. But I used to see it hopping around the yard all the time, and I haven't seen that since. Not our cat. We call her Knock started taking up regular residence. That's why we decided she could become our cat, kind of. If it is a she. Yeah, I, mean, I have to use a pronoun, and 
I'd rather be wrong than this. Is, this is how feral this cat is. It's feral enough that we can't even really get close enough to tell if it's a he cat or a she cat. And it's a young cat, too, so they're a little harder to tell from a distance. And frankly, I'm really not that interested in finding out. Yeah. It's Doesn't becoming really matter. more tolerant of our of our presence. But, but it's a 10-foot tolerance, not a... Yeah. Which is okay. I didn't get the cat so I could have something to pet. I started feeding it because it looked hungry and it was there. And, and it... Hey, it'll keep the rabbits out and it'll probably help keep the mice from getting in in the fall. Okay, we're, we're pretty much done with the dehydration part, but we're going to go on a little bit more about cats. So if you just wanted to hear the dehydration, the dehydration part, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you the next time. If you want to hear about, talk a little bit more about outside cats, because we don't do inside cats. Outside cats, hang with us. Now, yeah, this cat is, like I say, it's feral. Um, we've had people already telling us what we should do with the feral cat, as in capture it and take it to the vet and make sure that it is sterilized and all that kind of stuff. For a cat I can't get within 15, 20 feet of, that, yeah, that works for me. And there's no way to build a trust with an animal like to live trap it. <laughs> yeah. So, and we'll see how that goes. But we have a good friend of ours who's a cat whisperer, and he really is a cat whisperer. I mean, he is like the cat guy. And he has built us a really He's one of those nice big scary cat. guys with neck tattoos. Yes, he has a neck tattoo. Oh my gosh. But, but you know nicest guy on the planet. Yeah. Um But he's built us on one of his outdoor cat boxes or cat houses, which is nice. Yeah, he makes them out of big plastic totes. And then he cuts a cat sized hole in them. And, and uh, carefully duct taped them shut so they are now waterproof except for the cat door, which has a little overhang. And you put them underneath the, uh, a porch with a towel or something in them. Yeah, he puts a box inside and puts some kind of insulation in them. And nice little, nice little cat house. But um, what's funny, two things. First of all, people say, my cat's picky. It won't eat that. Well, here's your thing. Your cat will eat it if it gets hungry enough. Your cat has learned it can train you by not eating your food until you give it what it wants. <laughs> That's right. You let that cat go hungry without it'll I, eat the food. I grew up around a lot of barn cats, and there wasn't a one of them who was willing to starve to death when you would put out anything for it that was edible. Like we we just been buying cheap dry cat food for this cat because I mean, it's, first of all, it's not our cat, but I, mean, you know, I don't want to watch an animal starve. And I don't mind having an outside cat to keep the, the vermin down. And I actually kind of like it. But, you know, we're putting out just every day the cheap, cheap, decent quality cat food. But it is cheap. And this cat just, I mean, it's like. Yeah. I'll, I'll fill the bowl it. when I go out in the morning. And then I go somewhere else in the yard. And the backyard isn't that big. It's, I'm not more than. 25 feet away and i'll be picking berries or picking tomatoes or doing whatever i'm doing and i'll come back to the porch and the cat bowl will be half empty i didn't manage to see the cat some of the time some of the times i see it and it sees me and it it's like well if you don't get too close we're okay and i'll just keep eating is it okay uh no wait we're at a t intersection so she's wait for two cars in fact okay 
Oh, wait for one car. One of them just turned off. He apparently doesn't know the use of a turn signal. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, my other thing. It's Catalyt and... Yeah. It's been there while I've been picking, and it just snuck it. It was waiting for me to put the food out, snuck out from wherever it was, chowed on the bowl immediately, and 15 minutes later when I go back inside, it's gone again. Then it comes back again at night, in the late afternoon, eats more. I'll tell you a story. Uh, a friend of mine is, well, I mean, come on, it's a small town. The uh, fire chief. And I, I asked him if he ever got called out to get a cat out of a tree. And he said, yeah, it happened to me once. We got we were, we were got a call out. And the woman said, my cat's up in a tree. And he asked, he asked so he asked the woman, is your tree on fire? <laughs> And she's like, no, my cat's in a tree. It needs rescued. He said, oh, we don't do that. So what do you mean you don't do that? You're the fire department. He said, yes, and I want to ask you a personal question. Have you ever seen a cat skeleton in a tree? I used to find that a compelling argument, but I just can't anymore. She saw a cat skeleton in a tree. <laughs> I was on a bike ride one day. It wasn't a cat skeleton. And it wasn't even, wasn't a, even tree, a tree, but, but the, so the besides the fact that it was completely something else, so, except for that, it was a dead raccoon on top of a telephone pole. Well, that's different. That's not a tree, and it's not a cat. But it nevertheless was a dead mammal up high where it had climbed and died up there and didn't come down. Hmm. Okay. Probably it. I, I don't know uh, if it had just chewed through the wires. I suppose if the pole was wet enough, it could have conducted to the ground and, and uh, fried itself by chewing through the insulation of the wires. But if you just chew through the insulation on the wires and you're not grounded to anything else, the current doesn't have anywhere to flow through, and it doesn't kill you. So wait a minute, you're planning on, we're, we're about done with this podcast, you're planning on leaving our listeners with the mystery of how that raccoon has died? That's, the that's, the that's, raccoon left me with the mystery of how it had died. But there was, in fact, a quite dead raccoon up at the top of a telephone pole. That is and so... And no, nobody had put it up there. <sighs> it was in the middle of nowhere in a rural county along a little two-lane blacktop. Not a house for half a mile in any direction. There isn't anybody bored enough <laughs> To go attach a raccoon to the top of a telephone pole there just to confuse us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, humans of every kind, we're going to have to leave you with that immortal mystery of how on earth. It's possible the raccoon just could not figure out how to climb down off the telephone pole. But I doubt it. Yeah. I <laughs> From the look Salty's giving me. He doubts it, too. You can draw your own conclusions. Hey, hey, when you were out there on that lake kayaking, were you drinking? <laughs> Are you drunk? <laughs> Are you quite sober? Are you sure? There might have been boaters out there who were drinking, but I was not one of them. Uh, okay, if you say so, I'll believe you. <laughs> okay, I am Salty. I'm Spice. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Got it.